0: I ended up spending a summer, just over a summer, going door-to-door, like literally knocking and asking for change. And I would carry a red bucket and go door-to-door and ask for change. I didn't know you are supposed to have a permit to do that.
1: From Grindstone Media, this is Nebraska Made, a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders. We unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. I'm JT Martin and today we hear from Liz Whitaker, the CEO of Politics and the winner of the 2018 UNL New Venture Competition. Our guest today is an aspiring young entrepreneur.
0: My name is Liz Whitaker and I'm the founder and CEO of Politics.
1: Liz has made a name for herself around the Lincoln startup community by winning pitch competitions and advocating for pet rescue shelters. But when you look at her success working with animals, you wouldn't believe that her one kryptonite is actually pet allergies.
0: I am originally from Minnesota. I'm one of those you know, kids that when I was a little girl was obsessed with animals, obsessed with dogs, especially and wolves and anything on four paws. But I'm actually incredibly allergic to animals and so i think that was part of it is that it was something i couldn't have and so it just made me want it even more um so yeah i'm super allergic to animals i wasn't allowed to have any growing up because my throat will close up my eyes just swell shut (laughs) it's really bad um and so yeah i started because i couldn't be around them i started reading and and learning as much as i could about them and buying every book and every dog encyclopedia
1: do you remember like a first animal that you set your eyes on, that you just loved.
0: That's a good question. No, I think I was obsessed with every animal. Yeah, literally every animal. Like all my friends that had animals, I would hang out with their dogs. I would always be begging to take them on walks. I thought I wanted to be a dog trainer. Then I wanted to have a sanctuary. Then I wanted to be a vet. Yeah. So it was (laughs) everything, everything animal related for me. Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) And when did you find out that you had this allergy?
0: Right away. Yeah, I could not have animals right away. So yeah, I think my dad had a cat uh, growing up and, and then boom, I was getting asthma. I wasn't sleeping and I was like four years old, and so then we quickly realized.
1: So now instead of working directly with animals, you're working with technology to (laughs) help people foster animals.
0: Exactly, yeah, I get to live vicariously through all my customers' lives instead. (laughs) So they get to work directly with the animals, and I just get to be the person behind the computer, um, you know, getting to help them help all the animals now.
1: (laughs) So fast forward, it's 2015, and Liz is attending the University of Nebraska. Being from Minnesota, she really didn't know anybody at this point. She didn't know any of the rescue groups around town or any rich donors, nothing like that. So she started the No-Kill Advocacy Club at school to meet people. From there, she started getting involved with local shelters, which led her to start her very first real business, the Cat Cafe.
0: So Cat Cafe is a coffee shop that is also part cat adoption center and so you can come get your coffee get you know food snacks whatever and then sit down like you're in a coffee shop and do work and there's adoptable cats hanging out with you that hopefully you'll fall in love with one and take it home so it was my first attempt at trying to come up with something innovative and different to kind of have a different light on on homeless animals. You know, it sounds very gimmicky, but I would say it really was my first go at like, I'm starting this business, I'm going to have employees, I'm putting together a business plan. I took it very seriously. Um, and I, I, during that period of time, I was working so hard that I actually would force myself to sleep on the couch. So I'd get up with the sun and then stay up incredibly late and then get up with the sun again because um, I wanted to, I was learning a lot. I was doing a lot of discovery. So I was calling both coasts. So I'd get up and then go to bed with both coasts. Um, and... I would watch every episode of Shark Tank that I could get my hands on at the time. This is back before YouTube took it all down. (laughs) But I would watch as many episodes and listen to all the questions that the judges were asking. And I didn't stop um, learning until I could answer every single question that the judges on Shark Tank were asking the people on the show, um, and so that's really how I learned to write my first business plan. And what really what really taught me that I loved entrepreneurship. It was a nonprofit. I needed to fundraise about 130, 140 thousand dollars. And so when I started realizing, wow, I'm a broke college kid and I don't know anyone with money, (laughs) (laughs) I started to panic and ended up spending a summer, just over a summer going door to door, like literally knocking and asking for change and I would carry a red bucket and go door to door and ask for change. I didn't know you're supposed to have a permit to do that either. So (laughs) there was a lot of learning involved in that process. <laughs>
1: so you were trying to raise 130 grand door to door.
0: Yeah, so what was happening was during the day from like 9 to 5 I was actually having meetings with people that I thought could be bigger donors and then from 5 to 9 in the evening I'd go door to door when I knew people were home from work and were getting ready for dinner and <laughs> and so then I started mapping out all the neighborhoods that I thought were like uh, had the best donors. So I can actually tell you in Lincoln all the places that door to door you're going to find the best donors. Yeah. Yeah, so we raised, I think I ended up raising about 25000 through both of those combined methods. And yeah, it was really fun, but I would not ever do it again.
1: <laughs> so Liz comes up about $100,000 short of her fundraising goal. Not bad for going door to door, but not enough.
0: That was probably honestly my most humiliating failure because I was, you know, young at the time and I still didn't really know a whole ton of people here. And so that was really my first like introduction to the to the greater community outside of the university. And so I met the startup community here. I met a whole bunch more animal rescuers and I had taken it to the press and there was all sorts of news on this cat cafe coming and then I couldn't make it happen. And it was so embarrassing. I was so humiliated. It was my first real failure. And I genuinely thought that no one would ever trust me again with money, that no one would ever believe my business ideas or anything that was slightly different than the norm. Um, And so I probably like cried for a week, literally, (laughs) Um, and just was like, wow, no one's ever going to trust me again. And then picked myself back up because I just thought, well, have I saved all the animals yet? No. All right. I got to keep going then. And so picked myself back up and started thinking of new ideas.
1: So Liz has her very first business failure under her belt, and she hasn't even graduated from college yet. She's discouraged, but she is not gonna give up. And it's around this time that she's asked to run for the ASUN student government, which turns out to be a crucial opportunity for her. Up until this point, she spent most of her time around her sorority friends, or the no-kill advocacy club that she started. But now she's meeting new people from different departments with different skills. And that's where she meets James Collier, a computer science major who would go on to become the CTO of her next company, Family Pet Project.
0: Family Pet Project was a website for people to rehome pets safely um, through the internet without having to take their pet to a shelter or rescue um, because we thought, well, who knows their animal better than the person who's probably rehoming them and keep the shelters uh, for the animals that need it most that are in more dire or emergency situations. Mm -hmm. We had the very first listing. It It was so memorable because no one was actually, we hadn't actually published it live yet. Like it was live on the internet, but we were still working on it. And so somebody had like stumbled across the Family Pet Project site and listed their pets for adoption and like followed all the prompts and logged in and made an account. And it was just funny because all of a sudden we had this new user and we weren't advertising we weren't ready for user or we didn't think we were ready and then we just had these two dogs on the platform and i was like these aren't test pets this is a real account oh my god how'd they find us oh my gosh and unless you knew the setup you it was really hard to list a pet at that point in time and so when he listed two of them Successfully, we're like, oh my gosh! Not only did this person find our website, need our service, but he went through and the whole thing worked. Yeah. <laughs> it worked, yeah. And so I just remember, I think we were trying, we were watching a football game or something as a Saturday, and and all of a sudden we had this new user, two dogs that I needed to go market, and we were just like, oh my gosh, uh, it was a surprise, really. So that was very memorable for me. It was that feeling of like somebody needed us and they're using us you know and that feeling of like we're solving this person's problem and we're gonna help these two dogs and this person like that was a really good feeling
1: and at that point we were like Well, this is gonna take off. If people are just finding us out of thin air and using us, Mm -hmm. it was probably pretty optimistic time.
0: Oh my gosh, well yeah and this was also during the period where Facebook started to say, hey you're not gonna be allowed to sell animals on Facebook anymore. So then we were like, yes the market is moving in our direction, all these like regulations are changing and you know there's just a lot, there was a lot going on at the time in terms of what was going on Facebook especially because that was a primary place for people to rehome pets. And so we thought, oh, everything's moving in our direction. People are, you know, their posts are not even gonna be allowed to be posted on Facebook. So they're gonna have to find a new avenue. Um, you know, and Craigslist is Craigslist, but it's starting to get dated. And so we thought that our timing was, was gonna be amazing. <laughs> it was not.
1: Tell me about that user acquisition process. Like, did you have a tipping point at one point where you're like, all right, we have a hundred users now. Now we're gonna make it, if we have a thousand users, then we can make this profitable or how did you kind of see those numbers trend and when did you hit the point where you're like oh
0: it was probably after i mean it was not up and live for very long before we started to realize like wow we are not going to make money enough money to sustain ourselves and this is really more of a company that needs you know a large upfront marketing budget to take off
1: the family pet project faltered because it was built to be what's called a double-sided marketplace meaning that it needed user acquisition on both the supply side and and the demand side. Now, in this type of business model, you basically have to burn loads of cash right out the gate on marketing to promote user adoption and then hope that it snowballs into an Airbnb kind of platform. Well, Liz says she was warned about this from the start, but she was too optimistic. Did you feel the same failure as from the cat cafe?
0: A little bit. Um, It definitely wasn't as bad because When it comes to technology it's a little bit harder for press to pick it up because it's not as like tangible it's not as exciting all the time and so there wasn't i I definitely did a better job of like staying on the down low while (laughs) i was working on it um and no I, i mean i i felt in some sense that it was successful because we did actually have successful placements there was actually a dog that had ended up getting adopted through family pet project that got adopted in my neighborhood and so it was just fun to see all the different locations and see that it was so close to home as well, that people were using it as well as in other states. So it wasn't as bad of a failure, but it was definitely like, wow, we just really spent a year and a half of our lives on this.
1: So it's back to the drawing board. As a last ditch effort, Liz started cold calling shelters, trying to get them to use her software. Well, the more she talked with these shelters, the more she realized that there might be another need that they could meet. See, shelters needed a simplified way to manage all aspects of their pets' records. So after many tears and many disappointments, she was encouraged by her mentor to pursue the idea that she called the animal rescue software.
0: So I went to one of my mentor's offices after a really, really bad investor meeting and was sobbing to him. This was probably my final year in college now. And I'm like sobbing to him um, and was saying like, I really want to grow a company but at this point after three failures I don't know that I'm the right person to do it like it doesn't seem to matter how badly I want it how hard I work I'm pouring my blood sweat and tears into these things I'm sacrificing my college years per se and they're not panning out so I think it's more of a me problem than it is anything and Was just sobbing about it because I was so frustrated and he had just said look you're kind of starting to talk about this new concept of that rescue software he's like I think you owe yourself and this new concept six months of like really give it a go six months if it's not going anywhere then dump it and go find something else and so I said all right all right I'll do that
1: and as fate would have it the perfect opportunity to test this new concept came with the UNL new venture competition This is a pitch competition that Liz had participated in for three years in a row and lost handily every time, so to Liz, this was a long shot.
0: The UNL new venture competition was coming around the corner. So I was like, all right, I'll pitch it in the new venture competition. And my milestone, that's when I finally started setting these like milestones for success of, all right, I'll keep going if I hit this milestone. OK, then I'll sit the next one. And so that was the first milestone of we, we need to make it to the final round in this pitch competition. Because this is a competition where I'd lost already three years in a row. Like, just is getting destroyed in all of them. And um, so I said, we have to make it to the final round. If we do, we're going to keep going and we ended up winning the whole thing
1: (laughs) that's amazing
0: yeah and so that was like all right signal keep going keep going like it's getting validation to some capacity so yeah that that for us was the first time to be like this is a real company and uh and that was when we said we're gonna do this
1: what did it feel like were you just amazed when they said your name
0: yes yes i was shaking in my boots when i was listening to them call the names Because at that point, we knew we made it to the final round, obviously, because we were in the final round and waiting for them to announce the winners. And I was just shaking because I was like, oh, my gosh, after four years, like we might actually might actually win this thing like that. After all the work, after all the tears, literally tears of Um, horrible pitch competitions where I either didn't present well or I used to like shake and hold the script and was just so scared because I couldn't memorize anything because I had such a fear of getting up and talking in front of people and so yeah it was it was an amazing feeling Um, and and it was just like wow we finally accomplished it we finally had all the right metrics and, and proved it you know so it felt amazing and I finally felt like Uh, the work that we were putting in was actually going somewhere.
1: So you win this competition. Is there like a grant that comes with winning the competition? or How did you raise the money Mm -hmm. to get it going?
0: Yeah, so we ended up winning $25,000. And then I took that money and went to the state and applied for a prototype grant. And we got a prototype grant. And then I took that and went to friends and family and I said, look, I just need a small investment to like really get this thing going. Um, and you know, other people are validating it at this point with winning this competition and the grant. And so then I got 30,000 from friends and family. And then we ended up getting into Motion, which is the local business accelerator. This was also in, tw- this was now the end of 2018. And then we also went through Y Combinator Startup School and their advisor track, which was another signal of like, okay, this is getting more and more validated. Uh, Every move we make, every opportunity we're jumping on, it's getting well received, Um, which was so different for me because normally everyone's like, this idea is not going to work, Liz. I actually hated the name Lytics in the beginning. Really? Yeah, I only bought it because the uh, do- domain name was available. <laughs> that's a good domain. <laughs> yeah. I think it's got a great ring to yes, it. Yes, yeah, now I love it. And like the more we started saying it and people were like, that's an awesome name. I was like, it is an awesome name. You're right.
1: How did you come up with Lytics? Did you just literally go through GoDaddy and just search for anything related yeah, to pause? It was.
0: Well, I was searching for anything related to like pets and digital. Okay. So originally, I actually wanted to name the company Petlytics. Like I was really sold on that. And then the domain was like $5,000. And I was mm-hmm. like, I know, no, 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 <laughs> no. I'm not that in love with it. So, so then I just kept looking at different words that had, I was like on, on uh, thesaurus.com, you know, like synonyms for digital, synonyms for tech. And, <laughs> and then was like trying to mash together different things. And then I was like, politics. All right, we'll go with it.
1: So Liz finally has a concept that is showing a market fit and there are signs of bigger things to come. Fast forward to today, Now Politics has about six employees and they're used by 110 animal rescue shelters around the world.
0: And one of the, I think, unexpected fun things to come out of politics is working with animal rescues in other parts of the world. I, I just never even thought of that as a possibility or dreamed of it when I was starting companies. And uh, one of our, our most active users is an organization in Romania and she's making her own tutorials of how to use politics and sharing it with other animal rescues out in Europe and that region. And so we just saw like this random bloom in UK and Belgium and Germany and all these other rescues coming from that area. That's amazing. that has definitely been a really awesome side effect that that I just didn't expect to experience while I was doing this.
1: What about starting this in Nebraska specifically Mm -hmm. helped you?
0: Yeah, yeah, so starting this company in Nebraska to me was everything. And there's a reason that I didn't leave after college. Um, I very well could have moved back home to Minnesota or gone to another big city or gone anywhere, but I got to know the startup community through working on the cat cafe mm-hmm. and everyone was very, very kind and, and wanted to help so badly. Mm. And I don't know where else I would be able to go that would have a community this receptive and this kind and this genuinely just wanting to see you be successful. And you know, there are things, I'm not gonna sit here and say Nebraska's perfect. Um, No place is perfect, but with how much Nebraska has given me, I really attribute a lot of my success to the various resources and people in the community here that have helped and guided me and Mm. supported me even through all these different failures and really believed in me. And so, you know, it's important to me now as a person to stay here, plant some roots here and help activate, you know, other changes and improvements in the community that I think would make this place even better than it already is. Mm-hmm. And so Nebraska, I don't think I would have been able to get as far with my companies. I think I would have given up a lot longer, you know, a long time ago.
1: In the next nine months, politics is essentially building out a 2.0 of their software that's essentially gonna service larger brick and mortar animal shelters, humane societies, and animal control facilities. They'll be able to help shelters with up to 10,000 animals. Along with being an all-in-one management system for shelters, they're also working to ingest and compile data from pet smart callers and animal medical devices so that they can create records called EHRs or electronic health records to help usher in a new era of data-driven animal health. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business in 2020, from video and podcast production to social media management and media buying. You can learn more by visiting grindstoneagency.com. Minnesota to Nebraska, who's nicer?
0: Oh my god! Because okay. <laughs> people in Minnesota I, are nice. Yes. So it's funny because I had always heard the term Minnesota nice. And then all of a sudden I started hearing people in Nebraska saying, oh, Nebraska nice. And I was like, no, that is the Minnesota phrase. What are you saying? Um, Because it was supposed to be a playoff Minnesota ice. Oh. Yeah, because it's so cold up there. And so then when I was hearing it down here, I was like, I think you guys stole that phrase from us.